What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jimmy Kane with Liberty Uninterrupted. I am joined by the rest of the Sovereignty Network crew. It's a Liberty Orgy version number three. What's going on, fellas? Oh, just living the dream. Excited, as always, to see you guys once again. And this voice you're hearing now, of course, is Logan Carpenter. Uh, the first, the most important half of Against the Mob podcast. Uh, I also brought Matthew Billingsley here with me as well, if you want to say something right quick, Matt. It is hard living in the shadow of greatness. Heavy must be the crown. <laughs> Why do you even record with that guy, man? <laughs> Which one are you talking to, me or him? <laughs> see, and that's exactly the answer to that question, because yeah. you see, Matthew grew up with me a couple years younger. And he was kind of my adopted little brother. So through years and years of beating down his ego, uh, I moved him into this subservient role. <laughs> You've morphed him into everything he needs to be. Unless we play FIFA, purposes. bitch. <laughs> now I understand why you call him your Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, things, we got things got too. weird occasionally. All right. <laughs> no, this What's is really going on, guys? <laughs> it's uh, Dunk Lipman here, host of Break the State podcast going on <laughs> yeah well that's pretty much it uh this is our <laughs> second go at it <laughs> i'm gonna be completely we're gonna let you we're gonna let you behind the curtain a little bit so um but we're here now and i think i, I feel like the energy feels better this time around so i think we're gonna be good um, i think so today, yeah today don't interrupt me matt today <laughs> <laughs> sorry bro <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, oh man, well you know what's you know what's good about these is like no matter how <laughs> stupid they get, like consistently people will DM me. I'm I'm sure they do for y'all as well, and they're like, dude, those Liberty Orgies are my favorite episodes, like by far. Like I've had so many people say that. So yeah, as many times crazy. as we've gotten the positive feedback from it as well, I think we're loosening up each time. We're probably predestined for that day where we start getting the ones that are like. You guys are getting way too fucking loose and crazy. Could you actually talk about Liberty once in a while while you're in there? <laughs> no, this is our show. We get to do what we want. I uh, eventually turns from a Liberty orgy to just an orgy. And then it's, it's just <laughs> hey, we'll get that. We'll get that live four-way podcast one of these days. One, oh, dude, we're definitely gonna do that for this sure. winter. It's gonna happen. In the mountains of New Mexico, dude, in person, ever heals up, dude. That's what, <laughs> yeah, get that, like, get that hammy back so you can get on the slopes dude, with us. Let's kill me. I uh, so we uh, we want to talk about a bunch of different stuff, but today's episode was kind of inspired. I shouldn't say kind of. It was directly inspired by uh, President Joseph Biden. What's his middle name? Is it, is it R? What's Not sure. I think it's Adolf. Something stupid, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Joseph <laughs> Joseph douchebag Biden. I uh, your bag. <laughs> but uh, his, his his mandate is quote unquote. It is Robinette. Joseph Robinette right. Biden. Yeah it, is. yeah, it is. I knew it was an R, real. too. Robinette. Robinette. That sounds yep. like a 1920s like dancing crew that's like just straight up, you know, the, like the flappers, you know? The Robinettes. Yeah. Joe Biden and the Robinettes. Joe the Robinettes. Yeah. Hey, go have a good time out there tonight, but don't let your lady get alone with those Robinettes, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Wouldn't the Robinettes be the ladies, though, and it would just be Joe sniffing them? No, the Robinettes are the backup band. Um, I was going to say it was uh, early Joe Biden cross-dressing. He was very progressive even back in the day. 
<laughs> as he as he called people sinners and he like would go and where is uh leotard i uh but anyways he came out with this federal rule which i don't even know what that's supposed to mean saying that if you have a company over 100 employees that you have to mandate the vaccine according to federal law blah 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 federal mandate blah 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 um you know and it's funny because uh you can't do that the number one and number two it's just i we, we you know me and the boys from um uh, against the mob, we recorded an episode a while ago and we talked about like what this would eventually turn into. And I didn't think it would happen so fast, but here we are, guys. And so today we want to talk about solutions because what's going on right now, number one, it's gone way too far. It was too far in the beginning. And number two, people are looking for solutions. And I'm seeing more and more people, at least on social and in my interactions in my personal life, that are saying, there's got to be different solutions because this just isn't working. And so here we are. We're going to talk about solutions today to uh, the modern tyranny uh, from uh, Adolf Joseph Biden. It's <laughs> <laughs> moved it to first name now. Yeah. Adolf. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's speak? an interesting question, Go. too. What What is uh, – so what does it look like? Because it's a, a more difficult question. When we had the first secession in America, there were – kind of some drawn lines as far as the North and the South. Everybody knew where the people who wanted to keep slaves were because they had large farm operations that they felt it was necessary uh, with the lack of technology at that point in time in the agricultural industry. Uh, but today it's these weird lines where it's drawn between urban and rural areas for the most part. Uh, so what does it look like? What's the answer here? How do we reach this area of peaceful succession where we move away from uh, everybody being the, the ruler of everyone else and oppressing each of everyone else with their own viewpoints to a, a point where we can all live our own lives when we don't necessarily have these zones. You know, it's not as simple as Texas wants freedom uh, because I live in Austin and there's uh, plenty of people here in Austin who are all about vaccine mandates. Yeah, that's a good question. I've actually, that's something that I was kind of thinking about a moment ago as well, because as much as I would love to see Texas secede, what the hell is Austin going to do? I mean, I think we would just kind of have like Texas and then Austin just kind of its own state right smack dab in the middle, like this <laughs> liberal hellhole. <laughs> they got a good yeah. start on the homeless problem up here. We're uh, we're really trying <laughs> to compete with San Francisco on that front. Well, if Texas is um, seceding, you guys need to reclaim the old Texas Republic. Take me with See, you. I, I do like that idea. Let's re get, reclaim some mountains real fast, and then let's secede into Texas itself. <laughs> because the nice part is, something. sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you got it, Matt. Go ahead. I was going to say the nice part is is that that my region of if Texas was to annex the old territory, I would be on the fringes of the border and uh, probably, you know. In the in the fringe borderland up in the mountains, so probably not as uh, probably not as ingrained into Texas, but still get the benefits of being in Texas. <laughs> like Let me best, ask you guys, like the, best the guys that are in Matt. I hate Matt. to tell you, but it's going to be hard when Texas secedes as a brown person to get through that border. Well, that's why I'm not leaving. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. We'll just put white face on him, dude, and just powder him up. <laughs> Every time he sneezes, it just parts of his face come off. I, uh, but I gotta ask oh, you guys for living in Texas. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you just put your face in this bowl of cocaine. I, uh, <laughs> that would probably turn your skin white straight up. But uh, let me ask you guys this in Texas. Now, uh, I was listening to uh, Pete on uh, – he went on the Tim Pool. I, I think, Dunk, you share that with us. 
Uh, everyone yeah, should be jealous. We're in a uh, group chat together. You guys should be very <laughs> jealous. Uh, but he shared that with us, and I listened to that. And Pete gave a really good example about how Fort Worth is. Ex- is it Fort Worth, Dallas, that are right next to each other? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How Fort Worth is extremely conservative, and I didn't know, but I guess Dallas is extremely liberal. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, Dallas accurate. tends to be the. Uh, when they drew the gerrymandering lines, Dallas became the the old town where more of the minority population ended up, I believe. Okay, gotcha. So he gave a really good example of how, he, like, he, basically Dallas Fort Worth, like, they're the same cities. You always hear them together, Dallas Fort Worth, like the. Yeah, and they are. Airports. You can't you can't tell them apart. If somebody gave you a map right. that didn't have words on it, you would be like, yeah, it's one city for sure. Yeah, and I can't even read a map, so like I would just be, you know, it's all Dallas Fort Worth to me, you know. But <laughs> I, uh, it's straight up true. No, I. Uh, <laughs> but with all that being said, it's I find it interesting because Pete gave the example. He's like, here you have essentially the same city, but living under the same you know law and everything like this, and. Why should they? They're completely different, not even just demographics, but ideologies right next to each other. And so for me, the idea of secession has got to be down. At least it needs to start at the state level and then eventually get to the local levels. But I thought that was a really good example of how that is just, I mean, here you have two places that are essentially the same territory, but you couldn't get any further apart with the ideology. Yeah, it's definitely a tough question. And my idea that I've been batting around forever is like the overarching federal government should basically just be contract uh, enforcement, private property enforcement, and the non-aggression principle. And outside of that, we should kind of allow everybody to make their own rules on, and their own. If you want to have the uh, the hippie commune in one area, as long as everybody voluntarily agrees to go into that, then so be it. You can do whatever form of uh, economical system, governmental system that you want to do. Um, but again, you run into that same old age old problem that we have with uh, the minarchy argument that the inertia of these things is going to be to grow their own power, that any any structure, even as simple as a small business, um, it could be something benign, it can be something malicious, but it could be as simple as, hey, I, I sell cars, so I'm going to do something to position my market to choke out these other car markets. And it's just something that benefits you, your way of life, the money you bring in and, and the type of uh, quality of life your family gets to live so that even though you're maybe not doing it from a malicious standpoint, uh, you are going to grow that organization you're within. And, and these local governments, I worry, would be the same thing. And how how do you make sure that they're going to play fair and they're not going to try to swallow up the areas around them and expand their own local power at some point is uh, another interesting question that comes to mind for me. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it's a really tough one when we talk about geography, right? Um, because the last civil war that we had in this country, there was clear geographical lines drawn, right? It was the Southern states versus the Northern states. And even when you have um, other, other big breakups, like uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, which was ultimately a peaceful uh, dissolution of a polity, um, or you can look at the Balkans, right? There's, it's really hard because even in the Balkans, it's it's hard to make these clear, distinct lines because you have so much intermingling of ethnic groups, of religious groups. You know, you have you have uh, Muslim Serbs and you have uh, Christian uh, uh, Bosnians and all of the and the mix of all of these people in a town. And I think that that is that is probably why the 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 breakup of Yugoslavia um, descended into such madness is because there weren't any such clear divided lines where it's like, okay, you guys are this type of people and you go over there. 
we are this type of people. We're going to come over here, you know? And I think that that's like the, the, the culture has shifted or the, I guess the better yet, the, 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 the chessboard has shifted much closer to a Balkan type situation than an American civil war type situation, because how do you, how do we reconcile the fact that we have urban areas intermingled with all, you know, because that's how the country is, is essentially breaks down. You know, save a few conservative cities, Fort Worth being one of them, the majority of cities tend to be liberal and far more liberal and far more progressive than the countryside. But then the problem is it's the countryside that actually supports all of those people living in the city. And I think that that is that is where the greatest I think the greatest resistance and struggle to whatever we are proposing is because half of the country is more than willing to let the other half go. If all of the liberal urban centers wanted to be like, we're forming our own coalition of, of governments, the, the country would be like, okay, good luck. Great. Um, we're setting up tariff. We're setting up checkpoints and tariffs for all of our imported goods now. But the problem is, is that the other half of the country, the liberal urban half that depends on the countryside for their resources and survival is not going to let us go peacefully. And so, I mean, I think that it's very important that we explore every single peaceful, nonviolent action that we can to try to save this republic, or not even save the republic, save ourselves, so to speak. Um, because as eventually we're going to come to the point of no return, and I don't want that to happen, right? I like my life of luxury. I don't want to live through American Civil War 2.0. But it's how do we actually reconcile the fact that we are so intertwined and so intermingled. It's not as simple as, all right, the South is going on this team. The North is going on this team. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think in a sense, we kind of already are living in an American Civil War 2.0. Um, I mean, if you look at the violence that's going on, you know, in places like Portland and things like that. And um, I mean, you had what a thousand people that stormed the Capitol um, on January 6th, even though I don't think that was really an insurrection as they like to call it. Um, we're definitely in the middle of maybe it's more of a cold civil war. Um, you know, there's not as much like violence in the streets as there definitely could be, but we're, we're definitely there. We're, we're past the point. I think of, I think we're past the point of no return. Something has to change. Um, and I'm hoping that that will be towards decentralization and, and more freedom for the individual but it, you know, it obviously could could go in the other direction as well. So, I think it's an interesting point Matt brought up too about those large uh, urban areas that are dependent on their food source from the countryside, the more rural area. Um, and it does make it. You see a, a couple left wing groups are usually the communist or very socialist Democrat type of people in, in Oregon have petitioned for success uh, secession rather. Um, but outside of that, it is mostly these right wing groups. And I, I venture to say that that probably isn't uh, disconnected from the fact that they are mostly self-sustaining, that they could uh, continue to, to be fine without. And the argument that would be used against them is like, well, all the taxes come from the city, uh, which kind of ignores the fact that all the taxes then go into the city as well. Uh, and I wonder how much of that, too, is linked to our first civil war. I mean, when the South seceded, they were they were the. The, the North had the industry, but they got the natural resources for the most part from the South in order to, to drive that industry. So in some certain sense, in the same kind of weird situation we're caught in today is an American government where if you go off of the petrodollar, we have to decide you're a terrorist and dispose of your leaders so you don't fuck up the, uh, the new gold standard that we have based on oil. Uh, the, maybe it was destined for when they seceded that 
the people that were dependent on them for their resources had to invade. No, you make a you make a really great point because um, I'll just say this. Sorry, Jamie, I keep, you know, I need to keep reaching for your mic, so I'll just say this real quick. Um, the um, a lot of times, you know, that the Civil War gets misconstrued as a fight for uh, the fight, you know, the fight to emancipate emancipate the slaves you know but that's a moral cause that doesn't come until two wars two years into the war originally the civil war was fought for one very simple reason the north could not abide by a tariff on its southern border because now you're going to have to compete with france and and great britain for those same natural resources that you have been getting essentially for free you know you're paying for them of course but you're not paying tariffs because you know before you have income taxes and you have all of these other ways that the state made money the state would make its money through through trade barriers essentially you want to trade with us there's going to be a massive um tax on that and so i mean so i think that's actually a really interesting analogy that i've never considered that we are just living in a second reiteration of it where the countryside i.e the resources are like you know what you guys go do your own thing and the people that depend on those resources to make their money they're like whoa 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 you can't do that because i mean like yeah how useful are all these finance financers right all these people in wall street that think they're hot shit dude if that truck doesn't show up tomorrow congratulations you're in a city with eight million people competing for very finite resources how 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 well do you think that your your gucci you know your gucci shoes and your your 30 you know your three thousand dollar custom suit that's not going to hold up well for someone that wants your food i think you're underestimating the hardiness of those frat boys they went through a lot of spankings that hardened them as men (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. Sorry. <laughs> shame, shame on me for underestimating them. I think we got to talk about, too, the uh, the reason that we think succession would be a viable uh, solution to ending uh, or at least decentralizing the state. And it's because like you guys are all talking about like the interests, right? The interest of the rural versus the uh, urbanites, right? And I think like you look at California, you look at Northern California, like in the farmland is disproportionately misrepresented when it comes to like San Francisco and LA, right? But yet they're still governed the same. So I think for me, one of the things is going, getting a, um, I know Dunk, you said it before, of course, like we would, if we could choose, we, we would prefer no rulers. But if we could have at least local elections and local politics that's much better and a focus there that is much better than what we have today and so the issue is localism has been completely disregarded as a viable source of governance right we don't even look at localism and it's federal down now and so the state when you when you're a northern california farmer and you're being represented by san francisco and la you're completely misrepresented they're not even representing your needs at all. And so the idea that we have 330 million Americans all living under one law, one rule, I mean, that's not our founding. The, the founding of this country was built basically as a as United States, as a, as a confederation of different states that would operate with peacefully with each other, but be governed by themselves within those states, within those borders, right? That was the whole idea. That was a grand experiment if we could do that. Obviously, the United States isn't even states anymore. They've morphed into this giant conglomerate led by the Fed, right? So all this being said is that we believe in the individual. We believe the individual knows best. And the idea that any law perfectly applies to 330 million Americans is truly utopian. So for me, succession, at least at the state level beginning out, is the closest thing we can get and it's to me, it's also the most realistic option in decentralization because right now there's just not enough people that are willing to civilly disobey. I mean, and it's really 
disheartening when you see that. There's just not enough people, at least I'm not seeing yet. I think there will be. I think more people will wake up. But as of right now, I really think succession is a viable uh, option for decentralization of the federal government. Yeah, and we did a, an episode on riots a while back when all I think it was probably right after the, the Capitol uh, insurrection uh, that went down, but there's the worst kind of two components. That's right. The worst event in American history where hundreds of politicians had to cry on camera about how terrible it was. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but there are the best reality TV I've ever seen. (laughs) See, I was pretty giddy that day. It was a, it was an interesting news cycle for sure. Like, is it, Uh, is it happening? Is it happening? It's like, Oh no, (laughs) they went home. Fuck. (laughs) Some great visuals, bear hats. Uh, but what I was getting at there is there are kind of two components that you need in order to make these riots happen. Uh, the first one is feeling like you're not represented by your government. Check there across the board. I don't think anybody uh, – I listen to a, a podcast on both ends of the spectrum, very right-wing, very left-wing. All of them think the other side's running the show. All of them think they're oppressed by the other side. Uh, and in a way, they all are because that's what the government is, is we take every four to eight years, we decide to consolidate as much executive power as we can under the candidate that is either wearing the red or blue color that we enjoy, and then only to turn it over to the other side at the end of the cycle, and then cry havoc that, oh God, now this other side's so much more powerful, and they're going to use this to oppress me. Uh, And for some reason, we can never seem to learn that lesson that you're just building it up. Uh, But the other side of that that you need for writing is discomfort. You need to, to not be eating well, um, which, like you said, it's this is something and it's part of the reason I think we're all out here trying to get this message out. And part of what spurred us all into this liberty movement is I'd really like to get to a place where we reach that civil disobedient threshold that we need to take down the federal government before we're all starving to death. And the infl- dollar has been so inflated that we can't afford to uh, buy bread from those farmers anymore. Uh, it would sure be nice not to get to that point before we actually do start fighting against this giant machine that is the blob monster of the state. I think one of the most important things that we can do right now is to act locally, um, to organize locally with people in your city, in your state, um, where you can actually reach out and form organizations and, you know, go to school board meetings, go to um, city council meetings and things like that and make your voice be heard at a local level. If you can get you know, sheriff's departments to say, you know, we're not going to enforce, um, you know, this mandate or that mandate, um, I think that's a good start to kind of, um, you know, they have like these, they call them like sanctuary cities and things like that. Um, oftentimes they're more for, um, Democrat purposes, you know, for say, uh, sanctuary cities for immigrants or what have you. But I think we can do the same thing for something like the second amendment or something like, uh, you know, uh, not mandating vaccines as, you know, Texas and, and Florida have done. Um, but at the same time, I also think that we definitely need to not, uh, rely on um, on on the governors and things like that to stand up to to the the Biden administration, for instance, with this uh, vaccine mandate that they're pushing. I know that a lot of people are like, oh well, you know, it's cool because because uh, Abbott and Christy Nome and uh, and DeSantis they're going to sue Biden and and you know they got it. I think we need to not just allow them to kind of represent us. We need to speak and act out on our own you know, stand up on our own two feet and actually say something as well and not just uh, believe that they're going to act in our best interest, but actually push them to do so. And when they don't, you know, 
get them the hell out of there and, and put, you know, obviously put nobody in if, if possible, but, it, you know, try to put in somebody that actually represents our values that can actually move the needle back um, towards more freedom. I think that a lot of people in our movement, and, and I've been um, guilty of this myself, are kind of utopian in that we think that we're just going to kind of get rid of the state tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you can't vote because that's violence and things like that. And I understand the premise behind that. But at the same time, if we're just kind of sitting back, and, and this is something that I've gotten, obviously, from Peter Quinones, um, who you brought up earlier, Jamie, if we're sitting back and just thinking about, um, you know, this anarchist utopia in our head and talking about how we're the most principled, we're not really getting anything done. We're just living in Ancapistan in our head rather than actually going out and moving the needle back towards freedom away from tyranny. Yeah, how does yeah, that moral I, high ground feel while the uh, government continues to expand around you? Yeah, yeah I, exactly. You're getting loaded up onto the internment uh, internment camp uh, buses, and you're like, well, at least I was the most morally yeah. consistent. Like, Look now, guys. I, mean, I was right, this. wasn't I? You guys all see that I was right as I'm getting on this train. <laughs> <laughs> I'm principled. I'm principled. As I shove a freaking gag in your mouth. It's like, it's like uh, up against the wall. <laughs> Dude, well, Matt and I, it's funny because Matt and I have actually had that conversation. I remember calling Matt a couple of uh, months ago and having this like crisis of faith almost, you know, and being like, Matt, I think we're doing this thing all wrong. You know, you remember that conversation, dude? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, then and I, go I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You go. I was just going to say that it's, um, I remember those conversations and we've had several since then just about, um, how we as the Liberty Movement, we're not making real progress, right? The ideas are there. Um, we have the philosophy, but the problem is that our philosophy isn't backed up with actions. And I understand that there is something, um, there's like this moral high ground to be gained from It's like, well, I didn't participate in the system. But the problem is, is that our failure to not participate in the system is just relegating us further and further outside the reaches of power. You know, that it's one of those things that we have to be in the trenches and until the game changes, right? Until until the game is not what the game is, we have to play the game in a certain level. Um, otherwise, that's it. We're we're going to be the people that's like, well, I have the moral I have the moral high ground because my ideology is great, and they're like, okay, cool, up against the wall, peasant, you know, and like that's and that's what and I think that that's the problem with the liberty community right now is that we are so focused on the perfect that we're letting we're letting the good be the enemy of perfect right because what is perfect is a society that respects the individual above all that um, values property rights individual rights and everybody abides by the non-aggression principle that is a perfect solution a good solution is having liberty-minded people that are in positions of power that are able to be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't vote to expand the city's council's role into this position, right? Like maybe we shouldn't just give local government one more position that they're allowed in. And I know that that's like that 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 goes against a lot of anarchist thought, but at the same time, it's like that anarchist thought simply stops there. It's thought because the action is the the problem is that that we have we are living in a world today and all you have to do is just open your eyes. You don't have to even have them like wide open, half open. You can look that there are an awful lot of people that you share a polity with that are more interested in controlling your life than leaving you alone. And because of that, we have to get in and combat that 
in the realms in which the control of other people's lives happens, and that's politics. I know it's gross, right? I mean, for those who listen to our show and any of the, like the shows I've done with Jamie, right? I'm on my town's council, right? I'm in one of those positions. I'm part of the problem, so to speak. But at the same time, I would much rather be part of the problem than have someone else who is ready, willing, and able to trample on the rights of the people in my town. Yeah, I think I, I think what libertarians need to be better at realizing is that there's good, better, best. And I've realized this myself. I include that in myself because I, I went from capital L libertarian to lowercase l, back to capital L, back to lowercase l, then to minarchist, <laughs> then to anarchist. And now I'm still I still believe that if I think, um, you know, I, I, I the voluntary society is still the, the goal, right? Like the voluntary interaction is still the goal. But like, but Dunk, like you said, like Pete Quinones has been really instrumental in helping me realize this, and I've started reading more um, uh, Hoppe, what's what's his name, Hoppe, yeah, Hoppe literature, like getting libertarianism right and democracy, the guy that failed, and all that stuff, and realizing that um, I would rather have a liberty-minded libertarian or even a libertarian mass as a Republican, as much as it pains me to say that, as my mayor or as my governor or senator or whatever it may be. Than me not participating and and convincing fourteen percent of the population to not participate, which would be awesome, but then we still get ruled by this Democrat liberal or this Rhino Republican or whatever it may be, right? So there's good, better, best, and I think one of the one of the things that we need to realize is that what's practical today may not be the standard bearer for Ancapistan, right? It, it may not be the most uh, the most righteous thing you could do in Ancapistan, and may in 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 at campus Dan, it has it actually might be the most status thing that you can do but by today's standards by today's practicality the measures that we have to take um it would be considered a progression towards liberty and that's where i'm at right now i'm like i can't be so caught up in my ideals which i mean like i think it's important to have those ideals and to have those principles and those be your north star but we have to understand that progress has to be made somewhere and I, I really, Doug, like you, you keep mentioning Pete because Pete's been a huge impact on me recently. I mean, I love his show, anyways. But long story short, is is that the whole idea of not living in that campus in your head is really settled with me. And so we have to start thinking that if if I vote in my local elections or I participate in, um, like for me, I just launched a political action committee in my state, right? And it's, it's just focused on state and local issues. That's all I'm doing. I'm not donating to politicians or anything like that, but it's, it's about awareness. But, it, it, but in the traditional volunteerist thought that even that is unacceptable, right? And so it's just like, but that's still progress. If we can get people to vote for more libertarian people and to, and to believe more in libertarian ideals, and eventually they'll, they'll start to think like we have, what's the point of this voting thing anyways? Why can't I just govern myself? But they're not even there yet. Because they can't get the past the, the point that I got to vote for a Republican or I have to vote for a Democrat because the other person's going to rule me, right? We have to take baby steps and we have to move, move towards progression. I personally think succession isn't that hard to um, isn't that hard to actually facilitate today because I think more and more people are realizing whether they agree with it or not is that what makes sense for me does not make sense for somebody in California or Virginia or whatever it may be or vice versa, especially. Uh, in California, right? So th there's just some thoughts there. 
And I think it's difficult too, because we pride ourselves so much in this Liberty music movement and having a consistent logic. Wait, wait, did you just say Liberty musical? I'm so Liberty down. Musical. Let's do it. <laughs> Liberty musical. <laughs> Orgy party got, number got, four, the musical the edition. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, but just like, oh, like it's freaking Lysander Spooner and Rothbard up there. Like rap. I actually would be, down that would actually that. be pretty i'm you've piqued my curiosity and possibly my interest <laughs> new, new project new project for the liberty orgy like it we'll get on that i'll start loosening up the old uh, bagpipes over here uh, but no what i was getting at is just that part of what is beautiful about this movement is that logical consistency that we have and that we have these these principles and that this is why this is the right uh point the right way to go is that we don't have these hypocrisies within it. That we believe in non-aggression principle, property rights, and honoring any contracts that sober adults enter into. And it's as simple as that. And outside of that, we should get this, this government out of the way. Um, but in doing so, to engage in these things, we do have to fight those battles with ourselves of what is, you know, how, how many times can I compromise my moral high ground uh, before I just become another statist party and I'm just trying to, to get my own way. And I mean, you see that, in the libertarian party itself in, in past years. And hopefully we're going to see a, a little bit of a turnaround with the Mises caucus kind of taken over there. But we've watched them say things like, uh, you know, catering to BLM and to uh, using transgender pronouns and all these kinds of things. And it's like when you're the libertarian movement and you're turning around to try to gain your own power in this political realm and, and going as far as they have to sacrifice uh, your own morality and say like, well, everybody should do this. We're going to make everybody do this. You're, you're completely thrown to the wayside, the whole point of why we have this moral high ground. So it is an interesting balancing act to, to both need to move forward in that political realm so that we can make meaningful difference uh, while at the same time, not trying to abandon exactly what it is that gives us the advantage in these arguments. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I would say for me, the more that I'm looking around at the world and, and the things that are happening, um, vaccine mandates and, uh, you know, looking at what's going on in Australia and things like that, I've kind of um, become, again, to, to, to steal something <laughs> from uh, from Piquinones again, I've, I'm becoming more and more Machiavellian in my ideas that um, – I, I kind of there, there's a lot of times where honestly I don't give a fuck about being morally or logically consistent with um, with every action. I mean, um, you know, I don't particularly like my governor Greg Abbott. I don't like any politician at all. I'm still an anarchist at the end of the day. But holy shit, am I glad that I live in Texas and not California? Am I glad that I have Abbott that has said that no, you cannot mandate uh, masks and and vaccines in this state? versus uh you know newsom or or cuomo or what have you um i i don't care if that you know upsets some anarchists or some libertarians and they think that you know well you're just a statist i mean that's fine if that's what you want to say but i would rather live um under somebody that's at least trying to protect a little bit of my rights when i see that my rights are really under attack by this massive federal government organization um Another thing, so so getting into that, uh, I, I had sent you guys a video. I don't know if you all had a chance to watch it. Um, with it was a uh, let me let me I want to I want to shout the guy's name out because he's actually a, a pretty dope page on Instagram. Um, somebody that I've been following for a while. I think it's Saving Sovereignty, if I remember correctly. Um, 
and he went into a restaurant uh, recently. Yeah, Saving Sovereignty. He went to a restaurant recently. Um, he lives in New York, and he went, you know, went to sit sit down with his family and eat dinner. And uh, the restaurant owner came up to him and was like, you know, you got to get out of here if you don't have your vaccine. And he kind of he kind of raised hell a little bit, and maybe maybe he took it a little bit too far. Um, but I think, you know, I honestly don't care. Like, I, I don't want to listen to your private company argument about, um, you know, well, the, it's a private company, they can enforce vaccines or whatever. This isn't a private company making that decision. This is the government using force and fear and coercion to make these private companies act as the enforcement arm of the state. And so I really don't care if you're going to make these, uh, business owners feel uncomfortable. Good make them feel uncomfortable, make them, make it hard for them to do this, make it hard for them to take away your freedoms. Don't just sit back and, and, and allow them to do this because, oh, it's a private company because that's the road to fascism (laughs) is exactly what we're on right now is we are going further and further towards fascism. And I see people, I see libertarians and I see people on the left that are happy to allow their freedoms to be trampled because it's happening by a quote unquote private business. And this is something that I've been harping on for, for quite some time. I'm sure anybody that's listening to this right now that has heard my voice before knows that I'm so sick of the fucking, it's a private company, bro argument. But I wanted to get y'all's take on, on that, um, on savior and sovereignty and, and, and his actions there in that business and kind of what y'all think about that. There's a, there's an awful lot to unpack in that video. Um, one, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm all on, I'm all, I'm on all of these different sides of it, right? Because one, I, I'm with a hundred percent with you. The, the state has no business dictating what private companies should or should not do, and to turn restaurants and biz and bars and air and you know all of these other private companies, quote unquote, into the enforcement of the arm. That is, that is, a, that is literally fascism, right? That is the definition of fascism. Because I mean, Mussolini said. Um, that corporatism should um, that that fascism is should also could also be cor- could could be called corporatism because it is the merger of government and corporations, government and business, right? And so, I'm with you 100. I I hate that argument. It's a private company; they can do what they want. It's a lot different if it's like mom and pop who who are, if there's no mandate in your city, um, state, or anything like that, and they say, hey, you know what? By my own choosing, my own free will, by no coercion of the state whatsoever, I want you to be vaccinated to enter this store. That is a completely different argument than the state coming down and saying that you will ensure that if somebody comes in here, you're going to have to um, you, you have to have your papers, right? And for the life of me, and I know I've said this so many times, it's getting old. To me, it's like, how did we go from the left calling everybody who thought, who didn't think that Trump was the worst person to ever breathe on the planet a Nazi to the left now saying, show me your papers, right? Like that change happened in literally like less than two years. And of course, it's not lot. Of course, they don't even realize it because they're so tone deaf to their own hypocrisy, right? There's they're so far up their own ass. All they see is their own bullshit. Um, that's really the only way I know how to describe it. Um, but then on the, the next part of that, what was crazy is as he was sitting there in that restaurant saying like, are you guys okay with this? Is this the America you want to live in? Seeing how many people were just okay with it really shocked me. 
They were, they, like, were. Yes. they were like, hey, shut up, bro. You know, and that's the thing that blows my mind. It's like, dude, I am like, I, maybe he did take it too far. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Do you get, I, I don't say that there's, there's so many nuances in this conversation, but the the troubling parts that are not nuanced is how how willing people were in that situation to sit by and say, yes, we are okay with that. Get out of this restaurant. You're disturbing our nice night out. We are patrons of this place, and I expect a nice quiet meal. And you over there causing all of your ruckus with your freedom, I need you to shut up and get out. Like That was the most disturbing part, not the fact that the restaurant owner, because I almost feel bad for the restaurant owner, right? Um He's, you know, that guy is, you know, regardless of how we want to sit back from a third party situation and judge him for that, he's probably sank his life work and his life savings into that restaurant and to not go against that might tank, you know, maybe he's got a wife at home that's sick. Maybe he's got a sick kid that he has to continually pay for medical bills. Maybe he's trying to get kids through college, right? So I'm not even so upset at the restaurant owner in that particular moment, because it's hard, it's hard. I'm in business for myself. It's hard to own your own business. It's hard to work for yourself and have to go out there and make dollars every single day. Um, however, I was mostly, I was grossly upset by how many people were so willing to just cast that family under the bus and say that you're an outcast. You're a second class citizen. I know I put this out in the tweet yesterday. It's like we in the Liberty movement, we are not advocating for any person to be a second-class citizen, regardless of your vaccination status, regardless if you are advocating for violence against us, we are here advocating for freedom for everybody. And that's the thing that I don't understand how so many people can just sit back idly and be, or not even idly, sit back actively and be like, yeah, fuck you, get out of this restaurant. You know, I think uh, to play off of that, part of what we need to all try to do is look for these places, especially if you're in one of these areas where you are running up against these mandates or they're requiring you to still wear a mask or can't come into a building without your passport. Uh, there are places that are rebelling against that, that are staying open and not requiring those things. Uh, and you know, Hey, we're libertarians vote with your dollar. That's our whole principle. So go out there, find those guys, spend your money at those places. Because at the end of the day, all of these corporations like to faint their moral superiority, depending on what the flavor of their area or the, the national uh, temperament is. They're always going to do that. They're, you're going to see gay pride flags go up for corporations that have never done anything for gay rights in their entire existence. Uh, come, was it January that's gay pride month? It's June. How dare you? June. Not I know that. Matt, Whoa. I, did, I threw it out there knowing that Matt would know exactly when it was. So it was a. Uh, no yeah, big. because I'm saying, dude, you know your, your best friend's gay, dude. Come on, man. Because I'm woke, bro. <laughs> But that's uh, that's just kind of what I want to say. I mean, these guys are they're in a hard place, like Matt was saying. It's not necessarily the fault of the business owner. Uh, they are trying to survive. They're trying to make money for their families. They're trying to get out there and make it happen. So we need to provide the right incentives. And the right incentives need to be, hey, I'm not going to a place that's going to limit my freedom. So if enough of us will get together and do that, then that, that business will change their tune pretty quickly in order to make sure that they still have patrons in their restaurant. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta kind of back up what both of y'all said. As libertarians, we believe in private property. If a business is truly privately owned, like that has taken zero um, government money, uh, zero taxpayer dollars to fund their business, to me, I look at that as a that's a home, like that's their house, right? They can do it. If I walked into a person's home and they said, "Yeah, you're not vaccinated," I'm not. You're not vaccinated. 
uh, yeah, you can't, you can't come to my house. And I, I mean, I couldn't come in their house. It is what it is. I take issue with people like when you had Delta airlines and Walmart and target and all these major corporations that have taken millions and millions of dollars in taxpayer dollar and in taxpayer money. That's where my biggest issue is. Now, going back to what Logan said about, and going back to the video that dunk you brought up, um, and, and then basically the, the part that disturbed me and most of the videos, the same thing that part, the part that disturbed Matt was how many people said, yes, if I was in that, here's what, here's my deal. If I was in that restaurant and that happened in front of me, I would get up and I would leave. I would say, I don't, I'm not going to be in a place of business that discriminates against other individuals because of their personal choices of their health or whatever it may be, whether it, I don't care if, if there was a black man sitting next to me or a lesbian or whatever it may be, or a black lesbian, who knows? And, uh, the restaurant owner said, yeah, I, I just don't serve your kind here. I am pretty inclined not to eat there. Gonna be honest with you. I'm just not cool with that. I don't, I don't believe morally in discrimination. You can do that. I think the true free market answer is. Uh, any business can truly do what they want. And I mean, I, I know that may sound like you're supporting racist or Jim Crow or bigotry. I'm not. But what I am saying is, if, if for instance, if we look at busing back in, you know, uh, the 1960s, 80% of the black population used public transportation, right? If it, it if all those people, if all those, um, or not, that was 80% of the black, excuse me. It was 80% of the customers of public transportation were black Americans, right? If those 80% of those customers said, you know what, we're just, we're just going to boycott your company and we're not going to take your buses anymore. That company would cease to be, to exist. It would cease to thrive. You wouldn't have to get government involved in placing laws and mandates on who the companies can and can't serve. I think it's the same thing with today. I think if libertarians, we need to get a lot better at shopping and eating and going and certain and supporting local businesses that do not discriminate. And I think for me, the businesses in my local area that have never put up a sign in, in their uh, in their window about vaccination status or whatever have absolutely crushed it, have absolutely thrived. It is the businesses that do not let customers in, that shut their doors, that do obey the lockdowns, which I, you know, I, you know, I, my heart goes out to those people because I come from a family of small business owners. With all that being said, that's your choice, dude, to do that. It's your choice to comply. It's your choice to discriminate. You have to face the consequences. And that's kind of where I stand there. Obviously, it's a little bit different with larger corporations, like I said before, but that's kind of how I feel about the small local businesses. But I also think that's saving sovereignty. I looked. I looked at the video again while you all, y'all were talking. He had eighty thousand views on that video, and he put the place, the the name of the restaurant on the on the caption. And I guarantee a lot of people ain't going there to eat anymore. You know what I'm saying? So that restaurant, it can do what he wants, but that does not save him of the consequence of people basically ceasing to patronize that business. Yeah, absolutely. I think another important point in this too is that uh, the the nuance that gets lost in there is kind of this uh, regulation through raised eyebrows. I mean, they a lot of these guys, they're not uh, being mandated by their state and they're still being coerced, though, through the threat of it where, hey, this thing's going to happen. If we don't regulate ahead of time, then the, the hammer's really going to come down on us. Uh, and it, it really muddles the lines even more, because like Jamie said, if you're truly a private business, you don't take money from the government and your decision is, you know, maybe you're two owners at uh, mama's finger licking chicken or 90 years old and have bad lungs and they don't want to have anybody in there with any anything without a mask. Maybe they want the, the flu to stay out of their way. Uh, I think they have every right to do that. But the problem is that the way our government is set up, 
there's this huge looming threat that they may sweep in there and regulate you out of existence. So you end up following these mandates, even if you don't necessarily morally agree with being this kind of a tyrant. I think, and I, and I personally feel like that falls on responsibility of the community to help support them, though. So if a small business, if the, if the state, whatever their state is mandating that they, you know, force vaccination or lockdown or whatever, and they don't like Ian Smith, everyone knows who Ian Smith is, the gym owner in New Jersey, right? He refused. And people kept going to his gym. They showed up day in and day out. They kept, they kept paying their memberships. That's when it comes to us, the community, if there's a mandate, and the, and the business says, you know what? We're not going to listen. We don't believe they have the right to tell us to shut our doors down. Um, we're going to stay open to serve you. Then you need to go in and support that business. We need to Absolutely. put our money where our mouth is. And that's kind of what I believe there. So, Yeah, 1,000%. Absolutely. Um, it's funny that you brought up Ian Smith because I was just thinking about um, something that he had posted recently um, saying that you know it's time for people to start. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. I might be botching exactly what he said, but something to the effect of um, that we need to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, so we need to start doing things that make us uncomfortable. If that, if that means standing up for your rights, if that means, um, you know, keeping your business open when you're not supposed to, if that means defying mandates or, or, or what have you. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. It might change, you know, your living situation, but it's it's either be be uncomfortable now or you know be a slave later. So no, I think you're uh, you're 100 right. I mean that's just a reiteration of like choose your hard right. Everything's hard. Every choice that you make in life is hard, right, Jamie? It's hard to go to the gym every single day, isn't it? It's hard. I mean, I I try to work out every day. It's hard to, but it's also hard to be out of shape, right? It's hard. You know, it's it's people are like, oh, well, it's hard to make money. Yeah, well, it's hard to be poor too, right? It's hard. Like, it doesn't matter what you choose. Like, everything in life is going to be hard. So, what hard are we going to choose? And it's something that like I want to I want to touch on before we run out of time here. It's like just kind of count pushing back against some of those arguments that a lot of people have about secession because I think that the best way for us to move forward is a peaceful voluntary association where it's like if you don't like that perfect you can move or you can fight to change what's going on because I think that in America we have a very skewed sense of what freedom is right freedom is not I don't like what you're doing you can leave Freedom is, I don't like what you're doing, I can leave, right? And so and I'm, a, there, I'm a big believer in that where it's like, okay, if I'm not, if I'm really not down with something that hard, like those that, like living in California or even New Mexico, right? Because we definitely tend to lean on the more liberal side, despite the fact that 99% of the state is not the city. You know, there's essentially two urban areas that decide our elections every single year, Albuquerque and Santa Fe. The rest of the state could not care is so much further away from what you know the governor passes down but the same thing is, is like if i if new mexico got to a point to where i truly hated it so much well then i either fight to change it or i leave one of the two and so just to push back against this argument it's like well what's going to happen um i know that this is super grand scale and if i need to come back down to uh reality or local let me know guys but one of the biggest arguments I have against secession or voluntary association is people are like, well, what about national defense? What are we going to do about, what are we going to do about Russia? What are we going to do about China? Right. And for me, those are such absurd arguments because it negates geography. It's like, what? They're literally an ocean away, 
right? It's like Russia is a paper, they're a paper tiger, right? They're, they're, they can't, they're, they're only a regional hegemon. And China is also fighting to be a regional hegemon. So if, you know, and it's also like, but do you think that if America didn't have military bases surrounding China, had an, had a very aggressive foreign policy that we had nuclear weapons in Japan, in the Philippines, and all of these other islands, do you think that China would hate us so much? And so it's just one of those things, like there's so many bad faith arguments that we get when it comes to this secession, because at the end of the day, like I have this article pulled up that was published seven hours ago. Um, New Hampshire wants to secede. One of their one of their lawmakers has proposed something saying like, hey, the federal government has overstepped their boundaries so far. We no longer need to be a part of this country. Do you think if New Hampshire seceded, China is like, oh, perfect. Let's go get New Hampshire. Or even if the United States <laughs> alone, even if the United States. It's a freaking gold mine, dude. New Hampshire. It's just like, oh, New Hampshire, we need to get it, you know? Or I guess probably even closer, it's like the the French, the 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 French in Quebec are like, oh, perfect. Today we strike, you know? The opportunity we have been waiting for. for me. I guess, but it's just like. There's a way, I, I guess the point I'm trying to actually make is like, there is a way for us to voluntarily and peacefully reassemble our society without like jeopardizing us to this grand subversion from Russia or China. Well, I got two things real fast. And I want to hear everyone else's thoughts, but I got two things. One, uh, we live on an economic planet. How, how much money would China have to spend to conquer New Hampshire, probably. I know it's a small place, but think about like it's not like one of the things I really appreciate about Pete's appearance on Tim Pool was he dispelled this myth of China being this economic powerhouse when they're literally on the verge of economic collapse and no one's talking about it. And so you think about like is China really worried about taking over a bunch of little you know we'll call them colonies or, or uh, states that have seceded in the United States? No. They're worried about their problems, right? And it's not Absolutely. like, and it's it's also not like they're just going to travel through the rest of the world and go un um un just not what was, I, what was the word I'm looking for unchallenged. You know what I'm saying? There, I mean, there's going to be a lot of challenge, a lot of um, pushback in those moments, right? So that that's number one. Number two is out of sight, out of mind. Why is Switzerland somehow been able to just like avoid conflict? It's because they don't get involved with conflict. I mean that. I mean that's seriously. Everyone talks about how foreign policy is so complicated, it's so convoluted, and we have to spend all this time, you know, studying it. I'm just like, it's really not. It's human nature. If you don't get involved with conflict, you're not, or you don't voice up about conflict, then you're not going to find yourself in conflict. Just keep to your own, man. It doesn't matter what the other side of the world is doing. It matters what we're doing. It matters what we as a community are doing. And so I Unless hate, you're that Belgium was, or Poland, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. That you know, true. Those, those guys are like in a bad geographical spot. Yeah, but they, but they also – how many guns do they have in Poland and Belgium? Not a lot, Well, that's, right? that's so, the whole argument about Switzerland, right? When Hitler was like, hey, I'd like to use your land to invade France. And like, no – I think you you have to go around. He's like, well, then I'll just invade your land. He's like, what's your army? A hundred thousand men. I have a million men ready to go. And the guy's like, cool. Our soldiers have to fire ten times. And yeah. then he's like, oh, I, I guess we'll go around. Yeah, right. and I think seriously. That's the, I mean, the the example to draw from that in both of what uh, things Jamie said. I mean, one, 
we saw isolate, isolationism in this country at one point in time, and we didn't have all these issues of these massive wars all over what the world. What was even isolationism? It was just non-interventionalism. You know what I'm saying? Right. We still had uh, economic relations. We still had trade relations with plenty of places, and that's what I believe in is trade relations, but we weren't we weren't intervening throughout the world, you know? Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. When, when, uh, goods cross borders, armies don't. Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, but the other half of that is, I mean, if you're so worried about China coming across the, the globe to take any part of America, think of a, is there any larger mismatch in history than the U S army versus Afghanistan? We just went through 20 years of that. We didn't conquer Afghanistan. We didn't mm-hmm. turn them to America. They're back in Taliban rule and they're stronger than ever. So what is it? What is this huge fear that they're going to come across the, the world with an army that is, doesn't quite rival what the U.S. Army is, coming to America where every single citizen has multiple guns, and they're going to be able to, to stake it out and turn it into new China? It's, yeah. it's not 400 possible. million guns really? in the United States, man. Yeah, you're going to create blade of grass, that, right? we know that we know <laughs> of. That we know of. And, and yeah. again, look at the blowback. I mean, how many terrorists do we have because of our intervention across the world and Nobody wants to come into America and piss off all these gun-toting rednecks out here. You're going to create terrorism for the rest of your existence. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I've always talked about with anarchism is that, you know, people are like, well, if if uh, the United States federal government was gone, then, uh, you know, China would take over. What makes you think that a bunch of, you know, red-blooded Americans that just got rid of their fucking government because they're sick of being ruled <laughs> are going to be okay with another country coming in here and telling them what to do? Like what makes you New Hampshire specifically, if we're talking about New Hampshire, I mean, that's one of the most highly concentrated places of libertarians and anarchists in the country. And if they're trying to secede, it's obviously for a reason because they don't want to be under the thumb of some authoritarian bullshit. So (laughs) what makes you think that they're just going to bow down and allow that to happen? And even if they did secede, I, I don't think that the United States... Let's just say that that New Hampshire seceded and the rest of the 49 states were still together. I I highly doubt that the United States would just be cool with with China coming in and taking over uh, the fucking New Hampshire. You know, so like that's true. Yeah. Well, to go back to what uh, Logan said earlier, where where trades, what was it? Where trades go, armies don't. When goods cross borders, armies don't. Yeah. So secession doesn't equal isolation either. Like there are plenty of goods within states to go to Dunk's point that you can share across borders. Like who who's saying that New Hampshire? I don't know what resource they have in New Hampshire. Freedom, something. Freedom, (laughs) best resource. Export freedom and trees. You guys want some of this freedom? Maple syrup, (laughs) trees, maple syrup, and freedom. I'm telling you right now, we ain't going out of maple syrup in this country, right? In China, I bet (laughs) love some maple syrup, right? No, but but for real though, I mean, you you think about that, man. Like New Hampshire could secede and then create its own economy in whatever it's doing and it's trade exports with the rest of the country and the rest of the world, for instance. I really truly believe. Go ahead. So long as the empire that is the United States government doesn't tariff them out of existence. That's true. Yeah, just I think that's bomb. like. The, Could you imagine they just bombed New Hampshire? It'd be like that's when shit would really pop off. You know, like, I don't even think it'd be something like that. I think we like the CIA economical warfare more than anything for that kind yeah. of thing. Where the, yeah. and then they would use it for an example for the rest of time of like that's why it's a bad idea to secede, guys, because you, you just without our guidance, your economy doesn't work. Yeah. Ignore the fact that we set up all these tariffs that made it absolutely impossible for them to trade with anybody. Like we literally saw the CIA like killing people. Like, what do you mean that this doesn't work? <laughs> I, uh, I, and I got to say, too, that I got to kind of start wrapping this up because I know we have a timeline on this one, um, is that I, 
I'm seeing more and more people in my personal conversations and on social media. I know we said this on version one of this recording, but that are starting to wake up to our solutions. And for instance, I saw this guy's name is Chad Wright. He's a former Navy SEAL. Um, and he was on Andy Frazella's podcast. Real AF is my favorite podcast. And and uh, I followed him after listening to him on Andy's podcast. And just the other day on Instagram, I shared it to my Liberty Uninterrupted Instagram. He was talking about how more and more people needed to start stepping up and basically disobeying the federal government. Basically stop um, paying attention to what they were saying and start living their own lives and start fighting back and stop. He's like, we should stop paying taxes, all this stuff. And I'm like, welcome the club, dude. And he even said, he's like, I am willing to use my knowledge to do all this and help train people for free if it comes to this. Right. And I'm thinking I'm seeing more and more, and he's more of a conservative dude, but I'm seeing more and more people start to realize that the solutions we've been talking about for, I mean, since Rothbard, right. Since forever, um, and that's, that's really been a major, cause I've been, I'm not gonna lie. I've been pretty pessimistic lately, but I've seen more and more of this, a prominent figures talking about that. And it's really helping me with the white pill moment, man, of, uh, people open their eyes to the solutions that we're talking about. And, and, you know, succession used to be just a Texas thing, right? Everyone talked about Texas succeeding and, oh yeah, it's kind of a joke, but now more and more States are saying, you know what? It's not. It's really not a bad look if we do this, right? And so, once again, I think more and more people are starting to come around to the libertarian solutions, whether they recognize they're libertarian or not. Yeah, I think um, as far as like more and more states, you know, going towards the idea of secession, I think Tim Pool has been talking about that a lot as well um, recently. That there's some polling that's been done where I don't, I don't even remember the number now, so I probably shouldn't even say it, but it, it's some rather large number of people are, are wanting to secede, um, wanting their region to secede. Um, it's like, you know, more so Democrats in uh, California or most more so conservatives in Texas or what have you, but there's, there's some data behind that and y'all can go look it up for yourselves. But um, getting back to kind of white pills and, and things, I um, of course, you know, maybe it's a, it's a good idea to kind of end on, on some white pills. Like you said, um, I actually have, I don't even know if, you should necessarily consider this a white pill, but anyways, one of my coworkers, um, her husband is actually about to, uh, go on, um, administrative leave for his job because they are going to start mandating vaccines and he refuses absolutely to take the vaccine. And I think I'm seeing more and more of that. Um, I mean, I think there's at least three of us in my company and we're a rather small company. I think we only have about 10 employees. There's at least three or four of us that have basically stated absolutely we will not be taking that vaccine no matter what. And and if you want to take the vaccine, that's fine. I You know, you can do what you want. But I think that there's more and more people that are kind of coming to the conclusion now that they are going to have to put that line in the sand and really put their foot down and say no I will not, you know, give up my bodily autonomy to this government or to anybody else, um, you know, employer or what have you. So that's definitely a, a big white pill for me when I heard about that today, that he's willing to basically, you know, get fired. Uh, they, they can't fire him, so they're putting him on administrative leave with no pay. So basically, it's just <laughs> until he decides to quit is kind of how it's turning out. But I mean, the fact that he's willing to do that rather than giving up his bodily autonomy is something that I found pretty uh inspirational and then um something else that i saw recently is uh newsweek actually ran an article about the libertarian party and how they were calling for mass non-compliance um and so that was kind of you know something that you know i don't know how big newsweek actually is but i know they're a relatively big name in, in you know mainstream media 
And so that's just more and more people that are going to say, oh, you know, I, I call I call myself a, a Republican, but um, I've kind of heard of these libertarian folks before. And look, they're they're on here saying that, you know, they're not going to comply. Like, let me look into the libertarianism. Let me see what's going on with that. Um, so just a couple of things that I think are kind of, you know, ho- hopefully spark that white pill um, in some people. So and just real quick, I gave it a Google and, and uh, at least one piece of information that I pulled up, it does divide it into different regions as far as their support. And it's stronger in the South, like you would uh, suspect. Yeah. Dang uh, right. it, it, it does run pretty close to 30% throughout the entire thing. So that's right. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty large amount of Americans that are on board with, hey, let's get the fuck away from dictating the way other Americans live on the other side of this giant continent. Hundred percent, man. I uh, I think I like like Dunk said. I think it's. Uh, I just looked at that Newsweek article too. It says libertarians call for mass noncompliance with Joe Biden's vaccine order. And you know what? This is the this is the first time since all this has happened uh, outside the mask thing. But the masks weren't really like. It was kind of just like the Fed telling you what to do, but without like really punishment at all. You know what I'm saying? But this is actively the federal government saying. Um, you don't deserve to feed your kids. You don't deserve to hold your job. You don't deserve to have basic. And it's funny because we literally, like, when we recorded me and again, the boys from Against the Mob a couple months ago, we talked about like basic human rights w- would eventually be violated. And here we are. I just didn't think it would happen within a year. And it did. It happened really quickly. But I think this is the first time in two years where I'm seeing a lot of people like, like you said, Dunk, they're drawing the line in the sand because they, at this point, they don't have a choice. Now, I will say it's gotten too far. It shouldn't have gotten to this point in the first place. But nonetheless, I, it is. It, I'm, I'm glad to see finally people are saying, you know what, that are even that even aren't in our camp saying, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm done with this. This is this is one stage too far. I wish they would have listened sooner, but nonetheless, they're starting now, and the, the hope is, is that. Uh, maybe they start to see other solutions that are tied to civil disobedience, like the secession, like individualism, like maybe getting back to, maybe if we could just get back to localism, uh, we could really start making some progress. I wonder if that's a little bit of a white pill in and of itself to see this knee jerk reaction from the state. Uh, Cause it's kind of this dead cat bounce sort of concept that they would really like to move in the shadows. They like to slowly over time, build rapport with people and, and, have a, a sheen of legitimacy when they're taking away your freedoms. Uh, but we've seen this very quick, rapid uh, uptick in it in the past year uh, through COVID. And I wonder just how much of that is, in fact, uh, them kind of worried about their own status there and they're, they're circling the wagon, so to speak. Yeah, they're kind of moving a little bit too quickly, I think. Um, you know, the, the whole putting the, the turning up the, the heat on the, the frog in the water um, fucking analogy analogy <laughs> thank you i got i got you bro <laughs> it's getting late um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's past my bedtime man come on no um Old anyways man. i i think they're i think they're turning up the heat a little bit too quickly and so one other statistic that i wanted to throw out there before we wrap up is um i saw another article that something about 72 percent um of unvaccinated americans say that they would quit their job if forced to vaccinate and I think right now we're sitting at roughly 80 million um, uh, people that are eligible for the vaccine in the United States that haven't taken the vaccine. So I don't know. What was that number? Say, what, say one more time. I think there's 80 million people in the United States that, that are eligible for the vaccine that have not taken it. Yeah. And about I think it's 70%. Than that, but. 
I think Personally. so too, probably. And uh, and about seventy percent say that they would quit their jobs if they were forced to uh, to uh, vaccinate. So I mean, let me pull out my my calculator here real quick. I mean, that would grind things to a halt. I mean, that would yeah. decimate industry. Right. That's not, yeah. I mean, imagine. I mean, that's fifty six million people that just up and quit their jobs. Um, if if they turned around and said that everybody needed to be vaccinated tomorrow per their you know their employment. That, Businesses yeah, that, would shut down left and right, and 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 it's kind of like it's kind of a catch point too, because it's like okay, then the economy would would just collapse, right? But at the same time, it's like I would rather the economy collapse than total tyranny rule. You know what I'm saying? And I think more and more businesses would realize that, uh, you know what? Like we can't comply with this stuff because we can't operate. Like people are selfish inherently. I know a lot of times we talk about like in the libertarian movement, like you know, the presence of morals. And of course I believe that. I think a lot of people, I, f- I feel like the majority of people have some innate sense of morality. Um, but with that being said, people are also selfish. They, like they fight for their own needs for the family's needs, so on and so forth. And when you have, I don't, I'm, I'm, and I would tell people we can't offer legal advice. My advice just as a friend of friend is do not quit your job, make them fire you, make them have no choice to, but fire you because, the, because then you can get unemployment, blah, blah, blah. And get it in writing. And get it and get it in writing, right? Get or get on a video on audio, record it, whatever. Make sure you do not quit your job. But with all that being said, when you have, I mean, I know the where the place, and I won't go into it. The place of, of my employment, I know right now, over fifty percent of people are unvaccinated. If that went, and we have more than a hundred employees, if that went into effect tomorrow, um, they would like they're and they're and they're having a hard enough time finding employees as it is we're short staffed as it is if, if over 50 percent of our staff walked out tomorrow because of that i mean they could they could not operate it is, and i'm not wishing that i work for a great company that actually said that they were never going to mandate the vaccine so i'm very thankful for that but with all that being said if it was you know if it was the other way around they literally could not exist they could not operate their business and uh i people real quick will start defying the government if they can't pay the bills no, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. And I think there's something that just like needs to be said for all of you um, resident statists out there who might happen to tune into this bot, this podcast. If you do not have bodily autonomy, you do not have freedom. Simple as that, right? Like if you do not have the choice of what goes into your body and what you inject or do not inject, then you are not free. And this argument of like, oh, well, it's for the public good. And I don't care about the public good. I care about individual sovereignty above all, right? I don't care. I do not care about those statist arguments about all of these things for the ethereal social contract and the greater good. No, 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 no. If you do not have bodily autonomy, you are not free. And I think that that is like the most important thing that I want to that I want to get across um, in this podcast is like that we, we as liberty loving people must fight above all to remain individual sovereign creatures. We must not become means to an end. We are not means to an end. We are people. We are an end of themselves. And with that being said, it's like, this is, this is the fight. Dave Smith said it months ago. This is, this is our fight. Um, And that if we don't, if we don't stand up, 
for each other in this because I am vaccinated, right? I got the jab for my own accord on my own reasons, and I will stand in solidarity with every person who chooses not to get it because that is your choice because good ideas do not require force and good ideas do not require coercion and a freedom-based society does not require everybody to live by what I see fit. Absolutely. Round of applause right there. <laughs> Amen. There you go, Matt. That's And honestly, Matt, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the vaccinated standing up for the unvaccinated like they did in Italy. I mean, honestly, like I, that's one that's I shouldn't say it's the only thing it's going to take, but that's one of the key tenants to fighting all this. But um, guys, I think we need to start wrapping this up. Um, Dunk is a little child and needs to go to bed, but I, <laughs> I uh, no, but I, as always, man, I really appreciate uh, you guys coming on board, man. This, these, honestly, these are my favorite episodes is hanging out with you guys talking liberty joking around giving each other a hard time um thanks for, nobody for mentioning my height once this episode good job logan i'm really proud of you <laughs> oh shit i didn't put that <laughs> in i forgot all about did it I, honestly did that get, did that get cut out when our episode <laughs> and then we didn't gonna lie, I, I was definitely thinking about it like an hour before we logged on i just couldn't come up with the right way to bring it in that's awesome, dude. <laughs> and uh, we also never said daddy once either which is kind of a disappointment but oh, it is what it is man but oh. uh we blew yeah, it. it's uh, yeah, daddy's gonna be real upset, but I um, <laughs> let's <laughs> but let's daddy, do some plugs, no. daddy. No, no, daddy, no, uh, let's <laughs> do some plugs real fast. Dunk, why don't you start us off, man? Yeah, Dunk Limpman, Break the State Podcast. You can find okay, me moving on. on. Did not uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Break the State Podcast, um, Twitter at Dunk Limpman, and uh, I'm also on Facebook and YouTube, but I don't use those very much. Um, and then I think I'm probably going to be getting on Telegram here soon. I think, uh, Jamie, you've moved over there as well, so I'll probably have to be joining you pretty soon. So as soon as I've got that, I will, um, I'll let everybody know. And uh, one last thing before you guys go, I just wanted to say the reason that I have not been posting or doing very many episodes or anything recently, I have really been trying to focus on uh, just my own personal life. And I think a lot of people need to start doing that is uh, get your ass in the gym, start growing your own food and uh, spend some more time with your family. So here, here. here you go. Amen to that, brother. Logan. I'm going to throw it to my my uh, pitch boy, Matthew, over there. He does my plugs. I thought, I thought you were <laughs> the pitch boy. No, no, no. You're the, no. In, you're the in, Harley Quinn's got boy. a job, bro. Don't take it from her. <laughs> Logan, Logan's the intro boy and Matt's the pitch boy. Nice. Don't, don't you take Harley Quinn's role, bro. <laughs> That's Thank right. I'm just, uh, so, this is all so, I have. <laughs> so we are Against the Mob Podcast. You can find us on all major platforms. Also um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Against the Mob um, we are dropping episodes weekly, bi-weekly, whenever we can get to it, because Logan and I are also extremely busy in our personal lives. I do have a personal plug that I would like to throw out there. I am oh dropping gosh. an eight-track EP um, that has been in the works for Ooh. probably about a year and a half now. That comes out tomorrow. Um, by the time that this is released, it will have already launched, because um, it launches on 9-15. The... Uh, album name is pick your poison under the artist name altitude adjustment so i don't care if you guys like it all i care <laughs> is that you give it a chance um i'm not going to dictate what what you do with the the music but it's something i've been working on for quite some time and i'm very excited to uh, get some tracks out into the world 
Let's go. What kind of what kind of music is that? It is. Think of a more feminine version of BTS. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that sound like, dude? <laughs> well, tune in to pick your poison to find out. <laughs> um, it's 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 very much like the only way I know how to describe it is like the music that. I I want to exist in the world to like move my life forward. So it's got like it's it's kind of down tempo esque, but it's upbeat at the same time. It's very melodic, very rhythmic. Um, so I don't know. I you think the only thing it? to well, no no it's all it's it's all instrumentals. Um, oh, and then okay. just for just for uh, some reference, I produced the intro track to Against the Mall podcast. That is a one hundred percent original production. And I was very honored to help uh, revamp Jamie's intro on um, on his podcast, Liberty oh, Uninterrupted. Nice. So, um, so if you guys um, would just give it a chance, like I said, I don't care if you like it, I don't care if you love it, I don't care if you hate it. I only ask that you tune in to listen to eight tracks that will take up forty minutes of your life at some point in this world. Will it help me fall asleep? No, I don't think so. I mean, it might, but I, I, I doubt it. I like, I like, I like text Matt, dude. I passed out so fast. That was awesome. No, for uh, for sleep assistant, you can just tune into Against the Mob podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you're ready to pass out. Welcome to Against the Mob. <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys are ready it's to so drive sad. your car off a cliff because we're going <laughs> to yeah. drone the tube for the next hour <laughs> this is really going to suck oh man that's good bro that's good well if you want to wake up uh, you can check out liberty uninterrupted that's my podcast uh episodes published every saturday you can find me on instagram at liberty uninterrupted you can go to liberty uninterrupted.com for blog posts and more and merch all that good stuff you can find me on telegram locals me we what else am i on Trying to think here. I got off of Twitter. That shit is toxic. Oh, dude. Uh, and uh, yeah, all those alternative platforms. You can go to Liberty Interrupted and check the link in the bio. There's a bunch of stuff there you can check out. So, um, as always, we the people run this, man. I appreciate y'all. Love you guys. Liberty Movement, staying strong. Sovereign Network. 